Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. So I'm going to uh, open up in prayer and we're going to dive right on into the word of God. Father God, we come now giving you glory, giving you honor, giving you praise. Thank you, O God, for this day that you have made. We thank you, O God, for another opportunity, dear God, to uh, open up the word of God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for uh, the word that's going to go forth today. We thank you for the revelation that shall come forth. Uh, heighten our discernment, heighten our sensitivity in the spirit, that we may hear the word, that we may receive it, that it will take root in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we come against every distraction, every hindrance of the enemy. Right now, we cancel it out now. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. We glorify your name now. These and all blessed we ask in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So last week, we were on, on part 16 of our spiritual uh, warfare training series. Last week was part 16, your divine right to healing. So last week we talked about your divine right to healing. We talked about how it is in the will of God that you heal in every area of your body, that mental illness, any other diseases are not from God. It's from Satan and it's God's children. We can bring healing. We have the power and authority to bring that healing. God gave you the power and authority to do that. That there's many sick that are around us who have been praying for healing, but you may be the answer to that prayer by you bringing God's kingdom to them, by you going and you praying for them and bringing God's kingdom to, to their very lives. And so, and also that praying for the sick that you cross paths with is not an option because God commanded, Christ commanded that we go, we go, we heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. So, so praying for the sick is a mandate from God. So he did not give you power for you to sit on it, for you to just kind of take things lightly. And that, of course, Jesus already paid for our, for, for our healing. It was not just salvation when he died on the cross, but he also paid for our healing. For it was, uh, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, and, and by his stripes we were healed. We are healed. So we are healed. So it's not, it's not a going to, thing, going to happen thing. It's an already happening thing. So it's already done. So, again, he was wounded, crushed, beaten, and tormented. Not just we could be saved, but so that we could be healed. So, again, your healing is already paid for. So, again, if you know someone who's sick, battling any type of illness, disease, etc., physical, emotional, you can grab their healing for them because, again, it's already done. God's already, Christ already paid for it. So, again, understand that sickness will never be greater than healing. So, you have to get your healing. Uh, shame the enemy. Whatever the enemy stole from you, because again, he may have stole uh, your 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 healings. He may have stole someone else's healing. But again, Christ commanded that we go, we go and heal the sick. He made it clear to heal the sick, and then he promised us. He did some things that he promised us. He promised that uh, uh, that, that there will be signs would follow if, if we were obedient. He said that that signs would follow if we go and and, and, and be obedient to that command. That signs follow the the signs that he said that we will cast out demons in his name, we will speak in new tongues, said that uh, the enemy by no means be able to hurt us, we will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So that was a promise of God. So again, you have a divine right to healing. We have a divine right to healing, and it's expected of us. It is, it is, it is, it is a responsibility that, that Christ gave to us, that if we see someone sick, we know if someone is sick, in our region, our area, in our territory that God has signed to us, 
It's our responsibility to pray for them and set them free. And he promised, he said, and they shall recover. Because, again, it's on us. So, so the, first, the first premise is that we must realize that it's already done. It's already paid for. So, it, so there's folks who say, well, if, if it's God's will for me to be healed, that's not speaking in faith. It is God's will that you be healed. It's not God's will that any of us be sick. Yes, there are sick among us, but it's not God's will. That's an attack from the enemy. So we have the power and authority to bring healing uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So that's just a quick recap of last week's Bible study. Again, I was part 16. I was part 16 of our, our series on spiritual warfare training. And so last week was your divine right to healing. All right. And so this week we're going to continue in that same vein in our spiritual warfare training. So tonight is part 17 of the spiritual warfare training. Tonight we're going to talk about the warfare over the mind, warfare over the mind. And so understand this, that one of the enemy's oldest tricks is to plant a seed of, of thought in our mind that's contrary to God's will. So again, you have to reject that thought. And a lot of warfare begins in the mind. So again, your mind is, is truly a battleground. Every word we speak is tied to a seed of a thought. And it's up to you to make sure you speak life to water the good seeds that are sown. So one reason God gave you a mind is to be connected to his mind as a reminder that no thought of God placed in your mind go to, goes to waste. I'm going to say that again. No thought of God placed in your mind goes wasted. Okay? And understand, Adam and Eve were fully connected to the mind of God. Adam and Eve were fully connected to the mind of God before sin entered the world. And that's why when God had Adam to name every animal, he would say God brought the animals to Adam and say whatever Adam named them, that was the name of those particular animals. So all Adam was doing, when he was doing that, when God was bringing the animals to Adam and Adam was naming the animals, all Adam was doing was speaking the mind of God. He was speaking the mind of God. So when you say what God already said or is saying, you're speaking the mind of God, and that's a great gift. So understand, in the flesh, none of us can outsmart a demon with our natural mind. But when our mind is renewed, you can outsmart them with the mind of Christ, and this is why our minds must be renewed. And so the seeds sown in your mind by the enemy are seeds of death, but the seeds sown by God are the seeds of life. I'm going to say that again. The seeds sown in our mind by the enemy are seeds of death, but the seeds sown by God are seeds of life. And this is why there is a battle in your mind. This is why the enemy tries all avenues, including dreams, to try to sow seeds of discord in your life. And that's why you should tell the Lord daily, every day, every day you get up, you should tell the Lord to cover you and to wash you in the blood of Jesus. Okay? That's protection because we said before that the blood of Jesus, when, when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus. Once we accept the Christ, he sees the blood of Jesus, and that's for salvation. But again, the blood of Jesus also has other functions beyond salvation, and that's the only thing the blood would do without us opening our mouth. So you have to open your mouth and tell the blood what to do. So you have to send the blood, send the blood of Jesus to cover your family, cover your kids, cover your spouse, cover your friends, cover your, your other family members, etc. So you have to tell the blood what to do. As we said week after week, you have to tell the blood what to do. You have to put the blood to work. Because that's one of your spiritual weapons. But if you're not using the blood, telling the blood where to go, it won't work. It won't move. So, again, every day we wake up, we, we need to ask God, even, even before you go, ask the Lord to cover you and wash you in the blood of Jesus. And so understand, 
God gave you a mind not for you to solely think independently, but for you not to make a move independent of him. He doesn't want you to make a move independent of him. But think about how strategic God is. He chose to give us a brain. So God gave you a memory so you can remind your current and future problems of what God has already done. God gave you a memory so you can remind your current and future problems of what God has already done. So, however, we also have choices. So we have free will because, again, we're not robots. We have free will. God gave us free will. So the enemy understands that and tries to get us to make the wrong choice. So Satan tries to get in your mind to think like him. But God wants your mind so you can think like God. And God thoughts help you to rule on earth. And again, what did God tell us to do in Genesis 1? To rule, subdue, have dominion. You are supposed to rule in your territory as a king, as a priest. Okay, and we say it all the time that it's not uh, contingent upon our sex. When he says king, he's talking about male and female. So again, you're supposed to rule in your area of influence, whether it be on your job, in your community. There's a, that God assigned you there. God placed you there. You have jurisdiction there. You have authority there. And any darkness that tries to come in your life, any darkness that's going on around you, it's your job to bring the light. Because you're not coming in your name. You're not coming in your power. If you were coming in your power, we would lose every time. But you are coming in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is the authority of Jesus Christ. So the power of the Holy Spirit, again, does the work. The authority of Jesus Christ gives you the right to do it. So again, as we said week after week, what is the authority of Jesus Christ? That's the power of attorney. You have the power of attorney for Jesus. So that's like signing your name on the dotted line as though you were him. That's the authority. So that gives you authority to engage the enemy in your territory. That gives you the authority to cast out demons. That gives you the authority to uh, tell any seed that he's playing your mind to be uprooted. That's the authority of Jesus Christ to tell every demon that's attacking you, attacking your mind, attacking your body, attacking your family, telling it to leave. That's the authority. You have the right to do it. The power is the ability. That's the Holy Spirit that does the work through us. Okay? So with that being said, with, with us having choices, God's thoughts, watch this now, God's thoughts are never wasted thoughts. Because if one person does not act on it, God will raise up another who will. I'm going to say that again. God's thoughts are never wasted thoughts. Because if one person does not act on it, God will raise up another who will. And the enemy knows that your brain is able to tell other parts of your body what to do. And that's why the spirit of stress, depression, rejection, uh, anxiety, etc., all begins in the mind. It all begins in the mind. And so demons try to convince your mind how to feel and respond to feelings. But the word tells you how to get out of your feelings and in the spirit. So how you feel about something may cause sad emotions, but the enemy tries to get you to live in them, but God desires to set you free. So demons want to turn your mind into a playground because one thought can lead to the next thought if it's not cast down. That's what it's all saying, that the idle mind is a devil's playground. Okay, so, so your mind, your brain does not and should not be the devil's playground because God has already set us free. Christ died for us to be free. So the spirit of depression and suicide can't show up until other seeds of bad thoughts make room. So you have to pray and cast down every ungodly thought. And so the enemy even tries to twist your imagination. 
God gave us a very creative imagination, but demons try to turn a God idea into a demonic idea. So demons try to turn a God idea into a de- demonic idea, try to twist it, try to twist your thinking. But I cast down every demonic thought now in the name of Jesus. Every seed that's not of God, every thought not of God, I cast it down in the name of Jesus. So your mind, understand this, your mind can hold a lot of information. It's a powerful, it's, it's a powerful thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's like a powerful computer. Okay, so again, your mind has a lot of power. Okay, it, it, can, it can hold a lot of information, as, as we well know. We understand this. Now watch this now. So, so, so understand this. So, so you have to know that you can control your thoughts. You can control your thoughts by refusing to accept any thought that tries to bring you low. Again, you can control your thoughts by refusing to accept any thought that tries to bring you low. Because Christ came so you can live. And a lot of research has been done by many researchers that's been shown that 80% of physical, emotional, and mental health issues can be traced to thoughts. I'm going to say that again. The studies have shown this. 80% of physical, emotional, and mental health issues can be traced to thoughts. As we said, the enemy tries to get in your mind, tries to tell you things contrary to God's will. And so the average number of thoughts, watch this now. The average number of thoughts that humans are believed to experience each day is 70,000. So 70,000 thoughts per day on average, the average human, some may say 60,000, 70,000, et cetera, but average, on average, 70,000 thoughts per day, that would mean if you had 70,000 thoughts per day, that would mean that you had the capacity to have 490,000 thoughts per week. So imagine if even half of those were negative. That would be as much as 35,000 negative thoughts a day and 245,000 negative thoughts a week that the enemy is sown in your, in, in your mind. And so that's more than enough for the enemy to have a field day and invite more toxic things in your life. So it does matter what you say. It does matter what you do. So be careful what you say to people because your words are powerful. One word, one word out of your mouth can create more bad thoughts. Or one word can pull them out of darkness. So again, think about how many thoughts you can have in one day. So you have to turn those things into positive. You have to reject negative thought. Reject negative thinking. Anything contrary to the word of God. Anything contrary to God's will, you have to reject those thoughts. Because I know how it works. That thought comes, then it, then it turns into a bigger thought, then it turns into a movie. Now you're playing this thought in your mind. And then that thought leads to a next thought, then to a next thought, and that's how the enemy uses that to create a downward spiral to get you to believe a lie, to get you to believe a lie. And, 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 and that's what I say. It starts with little seeds. It starts with the spirit of fear, and then, it can, then, then you can bring stress and, and anxiety and depression, and, and then and depression can make room for suicide, et cetera, because it's one thought after another. And so the enemy tries to pile in your brain all these negative thoughts. And that one negative thought latches on to another, another negative thought. Now you have a chain of negative thoughts. And an enemy uses those chains of negative thoughts and wraps it around you and wraps it around a person. They try to keep them in bondage because of their thoughts. So it's like they, they're alive, but they're in a prison because of their thoughts. So Christ came to set you free from those negative thoughts, those seeds that the enemy planted in your mind that never came from God. What did Christ come to do? They say, okay, first it says the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ came that you may have life, life, and have it more abundantly. 
So that's already a promise. That's already something he said. I came that you may have life and more abundantly. So therefore, if you're not living an abundant life, if you, if, if, if you have these negative thoughts, then you know that's from the enemy, period. Negative thoughts are from the enemy. Simple as that. It's not from God, period. So that lets you know right there, every negative thought comes from the enemy. And every thought is a seed. Every thought is a seed. Every thought that you have is a seed, whether good or bad. So understand this. So the enemy is crafty and will try to influence others who are already in a bad headspace to say or do things to you to get you to say something to them to push them further into darkness and to believe more of those wrong thoughts. So you may not be able to change someone's mind, but you have power and authority to cast out demonic spirits that's messing with their mind. And studies have also shown, watch this now. I'm just building my foundation before we get into our first scripture. So, so watch this now. So studies have also shown the same part of the brain that is activated when you act on a thought. It's the same part that is activated by simply having the thought. Again now, studies have shown that the same part of your brain that is activated when you actually perform an action, when you act on a thought, it's the same part that is activated by simply having a thought. So scripture supports this because Jesus said that one commits, for example, one commits adultery by simply looking at another uh, person and thinking about them in a lustful manner. That's adultery, according to the word of God, just by looking on them and thinking and having that and, and turning that thought into a movie. But it's, that, that's, that's adultery. So, again, because he says it's already in their heart. So that shows you that it's that, that same action. So the action may not have occurred, but the thought was there with an action played out in the mind. Therefore, so don't allow bad thoughts to tell you what to do, but let God tell your mind what to do. So think on God, and God's thoughts will flow. Think on God, and God's thoughts will flow. So watch this now. So it's our conscious mind now. Our conscious mind, your conscious mind, my conscious mind makes decisions. Uh, that's the one that makes decisions. So our conscious mind makes decisions. But it's our subconscious mind that consists of who we are as a person. So your conscious mind makes decisions. You make conscious decisions, but your subconscious mind consists of who we are as a person. So how we think subconsciously can be hidden. Watch this now. This is how the enemy gets involved. How we think subconsciously can be hidden from our conscious mind. And the enemy knows this. And that's where he sows the seeds in our mind. So that's when you can do something that you know better than doing. That's when you do something. You could, why did I do that? I knew better than doing it. I knew that was wrong. I knew I shouldn't do that. But you knew better, but you didn't do better. So, so here's, how, here's what happens. So our subconscious mind acts based on what it has been taught from our life experiences. That's why traumatic experiences, traumatic things can trigger a thought that, that cause us to, to, to react emotionally because of something that happened since we were a kid or something that happened, a traumatic incident in, in our life. Okay, and so and so our subconscious mind acts again based on what has been taught from life experiences as far back as childhood. And this is why some people struggle to receive love. They know they deserve love, but subconsciously the enemy is feeding the mind to tell them that they don't deserve it, to tell them that they are unloved, to tell them that something is wrong with them, to tell them that someone wouldn't want to be with them, to tell them that this is what's going on or, or no one likes you or everyone's out to get you, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, so that's how the enemy sows those seeds in your mind. So therefore, you have to pray to God to renew your mind to a place where any thought outside of God 
won't be able to survive in your mind. So if God renews your mind, any thought outside of God will not be able to survive. It will die immediately. And so an adult can still be a, a child in a certain area because they've not been healed from something that happened as far back as childhood. And suppressing something is not healing it. Just because you haven't talked about it, you haven't dealt with it, you swept it under the rug, suppression does not mean that you're healed. It's just been suppressed. So God does not want just a part of your mind. He wants to renew your entire mind so you can effectively do his will. And as you became an adult, watch this now, last point before we get to our first scripture. So as you become an adult, watch, watch how this transformation takes place. The conscious mind can change its mind about what it told you to believe from your past experiences. So your conscious mind can say, okay, I don't believe that anymore. I'm more mature now. Okay, that's not what they really meant. That's not what they really were trying to do to me. So consciously, I know that that's not true. But my subconscious mind won't automatically change with it. Interesting now. So your conscious mind can change its mind about how it's going to react to something or what it believes something to be, but your subconscious mind won't necessarily change with it. So it now becomes a mind within the mind. So this is where that tug of war comes from. This is where the spirit of confusion operates. This is how you can have mixed feelings and be unsure about things because of the battle between the conscious and the subconscious mind. However, you can bring them both under subjection to the word of God. And if you want to easily cast out a thought that the enemy planted in your mind, replace it with the truth of God's word. Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 and 5. Just one verse, familiar passage of scripture. Philippians 2 and 5, and it reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So here we find Apostle Paul. He was reminding the Philippian church, as well as us today, that we should have this mind in us that was in Jesus. So what it means in this passage is to have the same humility. When it's saying in this particular passage, the mind of Christ is talking about the same humility that Christ possessed. So the way Christ conducted himself is how we are to conduct ourselves because we represent him. And the world needs to see our light shining. So being like Christ is making a choice to be led by God and not by the flesh. Again, being like Christ is making a choice to be led by God and not by the flesh. So your attitude starts with a mindset and that's why we have to have a paradigm shift some of us our mindset needs to be shifted from old models and old ways of thinking because god is trying to get you to think on a higher level of thinking again the scripture says that we're seated in christ he scripture said though we're living on this earth we're walking this earth here on down here on earth scripture says we're seated in christ far above principalities far above power so we're seated in christ in heavenly places so technically we're spirit beings living in a flesh, a physical body. So if you're seated in Christ, that's a place of authority. So you're seated. And scripture also says that our life, your life, my life is hidden in Christ. So your real life is not what your life is in the world. Your real life is in Christ. So when you find Christ, the more you know about Christ, the more you know about your life, the more you know about who you are. That's why I said to pick up your cross daily, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him daily. So therefore, with that being said, your real life is in Christ. You sitting in Christ. That's a place of rulership. That's a place of authority. So God gave you that authority to rule on earth. That's why he said, look, and I say it time and time again, 
God is not getting off his throne. He's not leaving his throne. That's why he told us to rule on earth, to do, have dominion. He told us to do his business on earth on his behalf. That's why he gave us the power and authority to do it on earth because he's not getting off the throne. That's why when we, the, the model of prayer, it says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. It's your job, it's my job to bring what's in heaven on earth because God's not leaving his throne. That's why he sent you here. To bring his kingdom on earth. To usher his kingdom in on earth. That's why he gave you the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority of Jesus Christ. So again, your attitude starts with the mindset. This is why Jesus said we have to pick up our cross and follow him daily. So picking up our cross and following Christ is a daily decision. And every day we put it down, the day we give it to the enemy. Every day you don't get up and carry your cross. And carry your cross simply saying, Lord... I'm reporting for duty. Whatever you want me to do today, whatever your will is for my life, let me know so I can do it, so I can walk in obedience. So every day we put down our cross is the day we give to the enemy. So you have to show up every day. Your mind is a treasure. Watch this now. Your mind is a treasure. And that's why the enemy tries to take it away. But God gave you a mind to be trained to do his will. God gave you a mind to be trained to do his will. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 16. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 16. We're talking about the warfare over the mind. The warfare over the mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read verse number 16. Just one verse, and it reads, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He said, we have the mind of Christ. You and I, we have the mind of of Christ. So we see it here, clear as day. It's in the word. It's right there. So watch this now. So he said we have the mind of Christ. So this passage outlines the fact that no human being of themselves can know the mind of God. No human being can know the mind of God, especially one who has not even accepted Christ. However, we have the mind of Christ. With the mind of Christ, once we accept the Christ, we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to have the mind of Christ. That's why we have to ask for God to renew our mind daily. So with the mind of Christ, we can know the deep things of God as, as it's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So we can get revelation of the things of God, again, because we have the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. So then now we have the Holy Spirit. We get revelation from the Holy Spirit of the deep things of God. So when we accept Jesus Christ, again, we get the Holy Spirit who reveals things to us that we could never know outside of Christ. So the Holy Spirit reveals things to us that we can never possibly have known outside of Christ. So quite often the enemy feeds off of our revelation to know what God is up to. So the enemy says, okay, so again, the enemy tries to get intel from us. But okay, what, what's God up to? What, what, cause the, enemy, the enemy has limited, resource, limited information. So revelation that we get, they say, okay, this is what God is doing. This is what God is doing in the body of Christ. This is what God is doing in their life. So let's try to, let's try to stop this. Let's try to block this. And so that's why, again, we have talked about being persistent in prayer, because every time you pray, that's why you have to be persistent in prayer. 
because there's an enemy that's trying to block your prayers, that's trying to block to, uh, the answer to your prayer in Daniel chapter 10. Remember when, when Daniel prayed and his prayer got held up for 21 days? It's not that God didn't hear him. It was because the demonic principality held up the prayer for 21 days, held up the angel for 21 days. So that's why you got to be persistent in speaking strength to the angels so they can get through. And that's why you can't afford not to pray. That's why you have to be persistent. You got to keep hitting that thing and hitting it 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 until you see change. Because there's a demon that's trying to stop your prayers from being manifested. Okay? That's why we can't afford not to pray. Okay? And so, and so the enemy tries to confuse you so you slow down your forward progress in God, but you can confuse the enemy by keeping your faith in God. So watch this now. So demons want you to use common sense by telling your mind to overreact to a bad situation. But common sense to you should be uncommon faith in God. So again, the demons say, oh, that happened, so you should be upset. Oh, they say this to you, so you should be angry. Oh, they did that to you, so you, be, you should be furious. Common sense and the flesh would say, yes, you should react to that. Or you should overreact to that, to that bad situation. But common sense to you should be uncommon faith in and uncommon faith in God. Faith defies the natural. It goes against what appears to be common, what, what appears to be normal. So when you have the mind of Christ, again, going back to this passage, he says we have the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, it defies what seems natural because faith awakens the supernatural in your life. Faith helps you tap into the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the healings, etc. That's what faith awakens. So the enemy is afraid of you having more faith in God because they know that with your faith comes more trouble for them. The more your faith is increased, the enemy knows that's more trouble for their camp. The enemy knows now you're going to gain more territory for the kingdom of God. That's why God said without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. I can't please God. You can't please God without faith. That's so, so faith is a prerequisite. You have to trust God. You have to give it all to God. Some of you have been trying to do it in your own strength, in your own power, trying to figure it out yourself, and that's where you're messing up. That's how the enemy can start sowing, sowing thoughts in your mind. You're tired. You're worn out. You're mentally drained, et cetera, physically drained, emotionally drained, because you have been exhausting your energy your time into trying to do it yourself, and you need to lean and depend on God. Give it all to him. But some of you give it to him partly, then you pick it back up. You, you give the burden, then you keep picking the burden back up. Give it to him. Let him have it. We have the mind of Christ. That's a renewed mind, having that mind of Christ. So, again, the enemy is afraid that if you have more faith in God, they know how much trouble will come with that. Okay? Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, we're going to read verses 21 through 25, Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25, Romans 7, beginning with verse 21, it reads, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord, 
So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So Apostle Paul in this passage was talking about his struggle and his struggle that we all face. This is the struggle of doing good when evil is around us and distractions are trying to pull us away. So in our mind, we know what's right. But our flesh, when he's talking about the members, he's talking about your body. So in our, our mind, we know what's right. But our flesh wars against God's will and tries to do what's wrong. And this is why our mind must be renewed. So we must be aware of this battle. And of, the, and of course, we have to continue to pray. And this is a daily process of dying to the flesh, daily process of, 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 of asking the Lord to, to wash you in the blood of Jesus, daily uh, process of asking the Lord to renew your mind, daily process of asking the Lord to put on the full armor of God on you daily, okay, and picking up your cross and following him. It's a daily process, dying to the flesh, dying to, to our flesh and, and our own will and submitting to God's will. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I don't want a will. I want, you, I want your will, God, to be my will. I want God's will to be my will. You should want God's will for your life to be your will because it's always better. So your flesh is in the world, and you may feel buried right now, but the real you is in Christ. So follow Christ, and the real you will be resurrected. The real you will be resurrected. And in the spirit, Paul was good. But his flesh experienced a, a war. His flesh, Paul was talking about his flesh, this war that was going on in his mind. So the war in your flesh began as a war in the spirit. So win the war in the spirit, and you will walk in your victory on earth. So his soul, Paul's soul had to make a choice to go with the spirit or with the flesh. There was a choice. Because, again, I say it all the time again, what, what is your body? Your body is world conscious. It only wants the things of the world. It's only concerned with the things of the world. Your soul is self-conscious. It's only concerned about the things of itself. And your spirit is God-conscious. It's only concerned about the things of God. Okay? And so then, now the soul is stuck in the middle. So the soul says, okay, am I going to believe the flesh and go with the flesh? Or am I going to believe the spirit and go with the spirit? So this is that, that war that Paul was talking about here. Okay? So, okay, so, so now it's a choice. So our soul can take on the character of our spirit or of our body, our flesh. So this is why some uh, proclaimed Christians have no sin conscious, and they continue to live in sin. Because, again, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit would convict you of sin, but they have no sin conscious because they're, they're completely sold out to, to, to their soul going with the body, going with the flesh. So this is why someone can entertain a married person. This is why some people cheat. Their soul has been contaminated and has submitted to the body. It's because their soul has been has submitted to the body, and the soul creates its own beliefs and doctrine. It is, and the soul has mastered when 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 it when it's bending toward the flesh. And of course, how the enemy tries to to prey on that, it it, it it hijacks some things from the spirit, and mixes it with the body to create its own beliefs. Because the soul then wants to be in control, because it's wrapped up in the self conscious. So Apostle Paul talks about this inner struggle of the mind. So your character. Watch this now. Your character, my character, is not based on who you are based on the world's standards. But your character is based on who you are based on God's standards. Again, your character is not based on who you are based on the world's standards. It's your character is based on who you are based on God's standards. So the battle was so real for Apostle Paul that he literally called it a death. He called it a death. 
And in verse 24, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? It felt like a death. This is how bad this struggle was going on. And so this is how the enemy will also try to sow seeds in your mind. To try to make you feel like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Oh, it, it, it's a death. This is it. And, and, to, and that's how that spirit, that spirit of suicide can enter some people's minds because they feel that they will be better gone than here. To try to take their life. That's the, that's, that's the ultimate goal because the enemy wants to kill you. The enemy wants to kill me. That's his goal. But Christ came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So, again, you have to wash out those toxic thoughts through the blood of Jesus. So it may feel like you're going through a death, but the only thing down is your flesh. And you will bounce back because resurrection power lives in you. Again, resurrection power lives in you, period. It lives in you. So this was a battle that began in the mind. For Apostle Paul, it was a battle that began in the mind. Every decision you make, good or bad, began with a thought. Every decision that you make, good or bad, began with a thought. Let's go to James, the book of James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Again, that's James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. All right, and it reads, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So it is believed that uh, the James who wrote this book was the James who was the brother of Jesus. So he was talking about us asking God for wisdom in this particular passage. He was talking about asking God for wisdom and that God, he was talking about how God generously uh, freely gives us wisdom if we ask for it. But he said, but we have to ask for this wisdom and faith. So it must be pure faith in God with no doubt. It cannot be tainted or sprinkled with doubt. So understand, prayer, prayer, even when you pray, prayer begins with a thought. It's a thought that you will choose to give it all to God and do what he expects you to do. And so the key here was having faith in prayer. And if you're not confident in your prayers to God, you're like a wave in the sea that's tossed to and fro. It should not be expected that you're going to get anything from God that's not asking faith. And that makes us double-minded. We're not asking in faith. That makes us un- double-minded. And he said it makes us unstable in all our ways. And watch this now. Follow me now. Double-mindedness is a spirit of Satan that works with the spirit of fear to try to confuse you and pull us away from faith in God through Christ. So double-mindedness is a spirit. Double-mindedness is a spirit. It's a, it's a spirit uh, that, that deals with the mind, okay? And it's, and it's influenced by these spirits. It causes one to lose confidence in their prayer uh, and in themselves. So the enemy will try to sow seeds in your mind to make you lose confidence in your prayer, to make you think that, okay, God's not hearing me or, or it's not going to get through, et cetera, uh, to make you lose confidence because you haven't seen a breakthrough yet, to make you grow weary in praying, thinking, well, what's the use in praying? Or I'm not going to put as much effort in prayer because I keep getting disappointed. That's a seed. That's double-mindedness. The enemy wants you to think your prayers aren't effective because he wants you not to pray because he knows that's where, that's where it all lies. That's where it all begins, in prayer. That's how you put your spiritual weapons to use, in prayer. That's how you put angels to flight, in prayer. 
That's how you move mountains, in prayer. Okay? So a person goes back and forth when they're double-minded. That's like being lukewarm. You can't, you're, you're, you're neither hot nor cold. So don't let trouble from the enemy tell your mind that there's no use in praying. The enemy knows that your prayer life is what keeps you fighting and knows what is your trigger point, is what keeps you moving. So watch this now. So our soul is where our free will comes into play. That's where our free will comes into play in our soul. And that's why one person shows up, can show up today, and they can act like an entirely different person tomorrow. Because, again, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They're flip-flopping. So our soul can choose if it will obey the body or submit to the spirit to rule over the body, as I said earlier. So this is why prayer in God's word is so vital. And sometimes you just need to open up your mouth and tell the enemy that they will not have your mind or the mind of anyone you're connected to. And as I say week after week, again, you have to open your mouth audibly. You have to tell every demon that's trying to attack your mind to lead in the name of Jesus. You have to say that. You have to command them to leave. Any demon that's been attacking your family, you have to open your mouth and tell it to leave. You can't say it in your mind. You have to open your mouth and tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Anything that's tormenting you, any seed that enemy has sown in your life, whether you know it or not, it don't hurt to say it. Say it anyway to any seed that you have sown in my life. I command it to be uprooted. I send the blood of Jesus to uproot it, to destroy it in the name of Jesus. So that's opening your mouth. You have to tell it what you have to, you have to tell it to go. Know what you will find in scripture. Every, every time Jesus came in counter, whether he healed someone, he dealt with a demon, he, he told it what to do. He told the demon to go. He said, you got to go, go, loose him and let him go. So again, whatever plaguing you, whatever situation you're dealing with, whatever you find yourself dealing with, if it's an attack of the enemy, if you know, if, it, if it's against God's will, you know it's an attack of the enemy, and you have to command those spirits to go in the name of Jesus, and you have to be persistent with it, not just one time, you have to be persistent, because the enemy is persistent in trying to attack you, that's trying to attack me, so we have to be persistent in attacking back, counterattacking through prayer, through spiritual warfare. And prayer is when you're, you're communicating with God, you make your petitions known to God, but spiritual warfare is when you're literally engaging the enemy. You're in your car, you're in your home praying, and you're telling the enemy, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. I come up against you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every word curse spoken over my life. I cast it down in the name of Jesus. Every thought that's not of God, I cast it down in the name of Jesus. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. That's what you have to do. You have to actively open your mouth and go to war. That's warfare. That's engaging the enemy. Because the enemy is sitting there like, you ain't talking to me. If, if you're just sitting there going around your daily life, I sure hope this thing goes away. I sure hope these thoughts leave me alone. They're not, they're like, the demons look like, mm, I'm not talking to me. You ain't talking to me. You have to engage them and let them know that they're not welcome in your house. They're not welcome in your life. You have to take authority because God gave you the power and the authority. He gave you the power to cast out demons. He gave you the power and authority to, to, to uh, counterattack any demonic attack in your life. So being in your right mind is being clothed with, clothed with the mind of Christ. So therefore, we have to get dressed for Christ. Put on Christ. Okay, let's go to Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. And it reads, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, 
which is the first command, commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There's no other commandment greater than these. So in this passage, Jesus was responding to one of the scribes. Uh, their question, they had a question about what was the first commandment of all. And so we see Jesus outlined uh, the, the, the first commandment. And, and we see five key things that must be done to love the Lord, in, according to verse 30. According to verse 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then verse 31, and he says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there are five checkpoints. There are five checkpoints to love God based on the scripture. Five checkpoints to loving God. Number one is your heart. And it's all in verse 30. From verse 30, your heart. Your heart, this is the center. In Greek, it means the center of, your inner, of one's inner life. It points to that which gives life. So your heart. The soul, this is emotions, attitudes, and the will of a person. Hence, loving God with all your soul is different from loving God with all your heart. Because again, your heart uh, is the center of your inner life. It points to that which gives life, etc. Your soul is your, or your emotions, your attitudes, and the will, your will, the will that you have. Uh, so again, uh, that's, that's loving God with your soul. So you have to love God with your heart. And you have to love God with your soul. The third checkpoint is the loving God with your mind. Our mind is our intellect, the place where we analyze things, we figure out and plan things, the place where knowledge is processed and stored or cast out. So now this is the mind. We saw Apostle Paul talk about that battle in his mind. We talk about uh, how the enemy tries to sow seeds in our mind. So again, I got to love God in my heart. I got to love God in my soul. And we talk about how the soul has to make a choice whether it's going to uh, go with the flesh or it's going to go with the spirit because the soul is self-conscious, okay? And so then we talk about our mind. This is our intellect, the place where we analyze, et cetera. So now I have to also love God with my mind, okay? And then I have to love God with my strength. And strength, when he said to love God with your strength, loving God with all your strength speaks of the ultimate expression of our heart, our soul, and our mind being released together. So, again, loving God with all our strength is the ultimate expression of our heart, our soul, and our mind being released together. So it's the outward expression of what's going on within ourselves on the inside. So it's, it's, it's the outward express, expression of what's going on within ourselves to the outside world. So, therefore, you have to ask yourself, do you look like Christ to others? Because, again, we're supposed to do greater works than Christ did on earth. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Okay? We are, we, scripture says that we are the light of the world. We have to let our light shine so, so they should see Christ in you, okay? So we have to love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And again, the strength is the combination of our heart, soul, and mind all coming together in one unison, on one accord. That's loving God with all your strength. And then the fifth checkpoint to love God is loving your neighbor as yourself, according to verse number 31. Loving your neighbor as yourself. So it, watch this now. So we're going to put the pieces together. So if you're off at one of these checkpoints and the enemy gets in, it contaminates the word in you. So understand, God and evil does not mix. So a contaminated word is toxic to you. A contaminated word is toxic. And this is how you can be a good person in the church and still be off and you don't even know it. 
So, we, again, we talk about the five checkpoints to loving God. So four out of five is not enough. You can, if, if you're saying you're loving God with your heart, your soul, your mind, uh, your strength, but not you're loving your neighbors yourself, then you're off in one area. If you're loving God with just your heart and your soul, but not your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor yourself, you're off in some areas. So, again, four out of five is not enough to be fully pleasing to God. You can serve God within four of these checkpoints, four of these areas, but because you don't serve him in all five, you can miss revelation, and you can be led astray. And God will never lead you astray, but not following his instructions can lead us astray. So you can hear a word, and it never penetrates and take root because one of your five checkpoints to loving God rejected it. So you can be saved and sanctified and still miss it. One rejection of something that God is trying to get to you because you don't love him in all five of these areas can lead to years of disappointment and frustration. And constipation in the spirit leads to frustration in the natural. And so here you are asking God what's the holdup, and you may have missed it when he tried to get it to you in the past. So Satan tried to give Jesus a contaminated word. After Jesus came off the fast, we know he, after he came off the fast and wilderness, and Satan tried to tempt Jesus. But Jesus was able to verbalize the authentic word of God. He spent intimate time with God during his fast. So when the enemy came, anything outside of God was rejected. Anything outside of God's will, Jesus immediately rejected. So when the word of God is in you, anything that contradicts God's word would automatically be rejected by you. And the enemy will try to change your mind. But when your mind is made up in God, it cannot be changed. I'm going to say that again. The enemy will try to change your mind, will try to get you to believe something contrary to God's will. But when your mind is made up in God, it cannot be changed. And so the warfare over your mind is real because it impacts decisions. That's what, why the enemy wants to sow a seed to make you have that thought, to make you act on that thought, to create more change to, so he can create that, that vicious cycle. So the decision that you make to go with God will impact your life and the life of all that you come in contact with. All right, let's go to our last passage, Romans 12 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, just one verse. All right, Romans 12 and 2, and it reads, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, it says, and do, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're getting back to that renewing of the mind piece again. Bring it all home now. So understand, you don't conform to the world, but the world must conform to the Spirit of God in you. So you don't, you're not changing for the world. The world needs to bend towards you because of the Spirit of God in you. So you were not sent here to let the world boss you around. You were sent here to rule on earth for God. Again, he told you to rule, subdue, have dominion. In Genesis 1, that's what he told us to do. So to be transformed from worldly thinking to godly thinking requires a renewed mind. So you have to ask God for a renewed mind. So say it right now. Say, Lord, give me a renewed mind in the name of Jesus. Say it again. Lord. Give me a renewed mind in the name of Jesus. So understand this. It's impossible to even begin. Watch this now. It is impossible for you or me to even begin to know the will of God without a renewed mind in Christ. We must have a renewed mind. 
Okay? So your mind must be renewed. When your mind is not renewed in God, you can call a good thing bad and a bad thing good. So again, when a person's mind is not renewed in, renewed in God, they can call a good thing bad and a bad thing good. And that brings confusion. The enemy is the author of confusion. That's why the enemy wants to try to sow seeds of thoughts in your mind to try to get you angry, to try to get you upset, to get you to react on it, to try to get you to act on that thought, to get you to act on that feeling. Okay? But God never brings confusion. God's will is perfect, and he will perfect it in your life. Again, God's will is perfect, and he will perfect it in your life. So there is a warfare over your mind, but thank God for Jesus. Thank God that you have the power and authority that he gave to you, that you, have, that you, are, you, you use. You're not coming in your name. You're coming in the name of Jesus Christ. When you show up, Christ shows up. When you accept that you have the power of the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you. Again, once you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have the Holy Spirit, which is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living in you. You have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living in you. This is the same spirit that will, that allows you to cast out devils, that allows you to heal the sick, that allows you to raise the dead. This is that spirit that when you go and put it to work, again, the Holy Spirit needs to be put to work. He won't force himself on you. That's what you have to go out and do. You have to go out and do and the Holy Spirit will do the work through you, okay? It matters where you are. It matters where you live. It matters where you work. It matters the people you come in contact with. It matters. It matters. God didn't place you there by accident. God didn't put you there by accident. As we say, when we talk about the bloodline, God didn't put you in your family by accident. He didn't put you in that bloodline. He could have had you to have been born to any family, to any bloodline. He did not put you in that bloodline by accident. You are the interruption in your bloodline. You can change the course of history in your family. You can change the course of history of what in your life, how the enemy has been trying to come at you again. So these are, are spirits that tries to get in your mind, mind-controlling spirits, mind-manipulating spirits that we can overcome. We have already overcome through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's that warfare over your mind, and we win this war. You are victorious in Christ. You win this war. So every thought, every negative thought, every thought that's not of God, reject it. Don't entertain it. Cast it down. Don't give it, don't give it any fuel because when you entertain that thought, you're watering that thought. And that one thought can lead to the next. And then now it's leading to the next. And then it's creating, like I said, that chain. It's creating more uh, links on the chain. And that's what the enemy tried to use to trap you and, 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 and hold you in bondage. So, so that you have to break it now in the name of Jesus. Cut it in half. So I, I, I break it in the name of Jesus. And so now going forward, don't let those thoughts get in your mind. If they try to come, cancel it. Don't, don't entertain it. Think on, think, on a, think on the word of God. Pray something, but don't entertain those thoughts. Reject it in the name of Jesus. So I will close us on out in prayer. Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you, O oh God, for the word that went forth on this night, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for uh, everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice, O oh God. I declare that their mind are renewed, oh God. I declare right now they are washed, they're covered in the blood of Jesus, oh God. And I declare every seed that the enemy has sowed in their mind, every seed, oh God, that's contrary to you, oh God, that's not of you, oh God. I send the blood of Jesus to uproot it and to cancel out, to wipe it out of their lives now in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. I declare right now that your angels are dispatched, oh God, and shall be encamped all around them, oh God, 
in the mighty name of Jesus, that anything that's been trying to attack their mind, that's been to try to attack the minds of those who are connected to them, I come up against it now in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God. And we declare now in the name of Jesus that the spirit of peace shall rest upon them, O oh God. I declare, I release the spirit of peace to come to their homes right now, God. I release the life power of the Holy Spirit in their lives now in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God. And we declare and decree that it is so, O oh God. Every chain, every shackle that the enemy has sown that's tried to wrap these, your people in, oh God, is trying to hold them in bondage. We cancel and we break every chain. We break every shackle now in the mighty name of Jesus for no weapon. And I mean no weapon that is formed against these, your people, oh God, shall be able to prosper. So we thank you, oh God. We bless your name, oh God, for what you're doing, oh God, in the lives and in the midst of these, your people, oh God. The way that only you can do it, oh God. We thank you for the praise reports that shall come forth, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the doors that are opening in their lives, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. And any mind-controlling spirits, any mind-manipulating spirits, I command you to leave now. I cast you out now. In the name of Jesus, your end has come tonight. And I dry you up. I send you out. I run you away now. And I declare you shall not return to God's people. You shall not return to their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. We bless your name, O oh God. We thank you for joy, O oh God, that your joy shall rest upon us, O oh God, that your manifested presence, your glory shall fill our homes, O oh God. Your glory shall fill our lives, O oh God, that we shall be glory carriers for you. So, Lord, we bless your name. We glorify your name. We magnify your name now, O oh God. These and all other blessings we ask in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So, as always, remember, that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle Green signing out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. See you next week. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.